Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right. Welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. Welcome to the program. And my name is Nasser Pasha. Now I'm Matt Staub. Matt Staub welcoming a new beard, actually. So we're going to have to change our podcast logo. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Oh, there's a decent chance that by the time this comes out, I will have shaved it because I'm already sick of it. So we're like right in that danger zone where it's I can't handle it anymore. It happens like <laughs> once or twice a year. So it's usually around this time of year because I just actually had lunch with someone this week who the last time I saw him, the exact same thing was happening. <laughs> so as far as he knows, I just have a terrible beard year round. So <laughs> Year round. Yeah, that's... Uh... No, I think what we'll do is we'll change the logo and you'll just have to match what the logo is. <laughs> we'll have fun with it. Yeah, that's fun. I'll change it up every once in a while. I'll, I'll like make it a half beard on half your face and see how you respond. Uh, it wouldn't be the first time I've done that, actually. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I had a half beard once just to like mess with people. And some people didn't even notice. It was kind of, you would think, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. It takes a while for you to grow it in. But I remember a TA back in college had a neck beard. Yeah. And what's funny is that my roommate and I were like, man, wouldn't it be funny if we just grew neck beards? And then like <laughs> like a month later, literally our TA had a, just a beard on their neck and shaved everywhere else. Very strange. <laughs> but And it was thick too. Like he'd probably be growing for like a few months at least. Some people like it. That was astronomy. That sounds like astronomy. Yeah. Astronomical. <laughs> Astronomical. Well, to kick off the week, we have a story. I guess it deals with fast food companies. The focus is a little bit on McDonald's, but I don't. It's probably just because they're the leader in this. I would think in terms of number of employees. So McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, and a, and a bunch of other fast food companies are actually franchises. And so there's this law that's been in place. I think it's about 30 years old now. Or it was a case, a legal ruling that basically said that you know these bigger companies, McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, etc., can't be liable basically for unfair employment practices towards the workers of the companies if it's not directly in charge of hiring and firing. Like I said, it's all done through the franchisees and then you have the companies overrunning everything. So apparently they're looking at changing this, which would, (laughs) this would be a big change. I think it would be, well, I don't want to give my opinion yet. I haven't decided how I want to go on this. I was going to say it's a good thing, but I could see it being a bad thing too. Are you holding it for suspense? No, I I just, I'm holding it because I don't know which way I'm going to lean on this because it's definitely a good thing in terms of the employees. But at the same time, like that's, first of all, I don't even go to fast food places, so I don't, it's not really going to affect me at all. So from a personal level, I think I have a specific opinion what it should be. And I have a feeling that it's very likely that I, I could be right on this, but we'll have to see. So let's understand the concept here is that. When you have a franchise, a franchisor and a franchisee, the franchisor is allowed to maintain a certain dominion of control over their franchisee because that's the whole nature of a franchise relationship. Whereas versus, you know, just to compare a license relationship where you license out the name, like CrossFit, for example, is a license brand. And in that case, they can't really impose much control. But in McDonald's franchisee, they set certain policies, everything from how food is made and so forth. So the National Labor Relations Board actually is saying, okay, well, if this franchisor is putting all this control over this franchisee, 
and their policies may affect the actual employment issues, then shouldn't they bear some responsibility? And right now the law, like Matt very well mentioned, that if the franchise is involved in firing and hiring, then okay, there's liability there. But I think it should be expanded to where the franchisor is setting up certain policies and procedures that may lead to labor law violations. Those types of things should extend liability to the franchisor because the franchisee is unable to do that. Now, what's interesting about this is that even if the law does change, right, the franchisor could easily just change their franchise agreement to say that the franchisee should indemnify them for any labor law violations that may incur due to the actions of the franchisee, right? And all of a sudden, that's done, right? And unless they prohibit that kind of indemnification, but depending upon the type of control and how much, there should be some culpability there. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at someone like McDonald's, it's difficult for the executive upper management of the entire company to... I don't know how many locations McDonald's has. I know it's a ton. So like five. <laughs> yeah. I think there's five. <laughs> five or six. There's one by my place. And <laughs> I know in San Diego, I've seen two. So at least, let's just round up. At least three. Yeah. They have at least yeah. three. Well, at least I, but you have to give them some credit. They have to have more than three. So Yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to just... And I'm sure they have an insane amount of turnover. So it's it'd be so difficult to, yeah. to monitor all these individual... You have to have these franchisees monitoring all the workers because the company as a whole can't do it. It's just not feasible. I don't know how many people they'd have to employ just to run the HR department. That's true. I mean, it's easy to pick up McDonald's, but what about the smaller franchisors, right? That may not have five locations. They have like three locations, much less than McDonald's, right? And so... That kind of liability may have a bigger impact. But of course, again, from a legislator's perspective, or the, I should say in this case, a department head perspective, this is a very easy money grab for them because they're going after big pockets. If they have the law on their side, they're more likely to be able to settle with McDonald's franchisor than a franchisee that one lawsuit could literally close their business, you know? So I think it's just a money grab to me. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a lot different between, you know, a company like McDonald's and the smaller ones. So, yeah. But don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is bad law, too, because I think if it does change, McDonald's already imposes and other franchisors everything from like procedures on opening and closing the store or the payroll systems and all that. They have quite a bit of input on how that works, and that can all impact wage and labor violations. Was it your idea who wanted to replace all workers with robots or is that, am I making that up? Yeah, that was, no, that was uh, my idea (laughs) and uh, I haven't found any investors yet. (laughs) Still looking. I don't really have anything to sell. I just want to do, just want to mess with robots. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll pay attention to that and see what happens. I mean, I think this, this will be a national story that we'll hear about. Yeah. Once it comes out. All right. Question of the day. A long one. My favorite. (laughs) Okay. Here we are. I am the sole managing member of a Delaware-based LLC. Recently, I was engaged by a company to do consulting work. They requested that I fill out a federal form W-9. According to the instructions in the form, my single-member LLC is considered a disregarded entity, and the W-9 instructed that I should use my social security number as the tax ID number instead of my F-E-I-N. Does this mean that the payments will be considered direct to me? and not through my business? Am I losing any of the limited liability benefits of the LLC this way? So what this person is asking is, I guess there's two questions. 
doesn't mean that the payments will be considered direct to me and not through my business. And am I losing the limited liability benefits of the LLC by doing this? And also whether they should follow the instructions, which I guess that's obvious. <laughs> yeah, I would say right off the bat, tax advice, this isn't advice, but a good thing, if you have the ability to sit through it, the patience, probably the best thing to start with a lot of tax questions is just reading the instructions because there's instructions for every single form that's out there. True. It's just pretty tedious. They usually have the answers in there. If not, you have to do a little bit of digging, but most people just don't even want to look at that and I don't blame them because it's, it's pretty brutal, but... So yeah, I mean, the instructions do say, I'm looking at the W-9 form now, a single member LLC is a disregarded entity like this person stated. So, you know, it says use the social security number. Unless you've done some kind of designation as a C-Corp or even an S-Corp designation for your LLC, then you would be, I think the default is that you're a disregarded entity for a single member. I think they want your social because you're going to end up filing all your income under your personal income anyway for this. So that's how they're going to keep track for the, as W-9 purposes. Yeah. And really the only reason you need EIN for a single member LLC is if you have employees or you know you file excise tax returns, which is not very common for most people. So the EIN is not even that necessary. Or if you file a return for uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, also a consideration for when you need EIN. But yeah, I mean, for the limited liability side of it, I mean, you're still going to be doing business. You're not doing business individually. You're doing it as your LLC. So I wouldn't be concerned about that. No, I, exactly. How it's taxed. And this is always kind of confusing too, because especially with S-Corps, right? The S-Corp designation, because people think like, okay, S-Corp, should I file as an S-Corp? You're actually not, when you create a new entity, you're not creating an S-Corp entity. You're creating a corporation and you're doing an S-Corp election or you create an LLC and you do an S-Corp election. That can get kind of confusing, especially when you add the benefit corporation aspect to it, because even that, like you're still filing as a corporation, but as a benefit corporation with your state, and then that benefit corporation could be file an S-Corp election. So is it a B-Corp or an S-Corp? It, it, it is kind of confusing, but how it's taxed is different than the legal entity itself. And yeah. so don't worry about losing your liability based upon how you're taxed. You, know, you can be taxed as a partnership, you can be taxed as a corporation, but still have that entity. Yeah, and, and the thing with the phrase disregarded entity is it's, it's usually just followed by the words for tax purposes because the IRS doesn't... Yeah. They didn't create a new tax classification of an LLC. It's, it's, LLCs are a state-by-state state thing. So basically, the IRS views it as one of three things, corporation, partnership, or disregarded entity. So that's the reason. And a disregarded entity is basically a sole proprietorship, right? It's yeah. taxed the same way. Yeah. As an LLC, you can choose to be taxed differently if, if you so choose. but If you so choose. Yeah. But we won't get into the analysis of that because no one wants to listen to it. And uh, quite frankly, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Okay. So I think we answered the question. I mean, they did ask, does this mean that the payments will be considered direct to me and not through my business? Like discussed, unless you've done some other designation of how you're taxed, the payments for tax purposes are being made to you. Yeah. You mean you still, if you look at the top, I mean, it's still filling out your business name and checking the box that says LLC. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the IRS base, all they want to do is just track people getting income. So this is their way to do it. Like you said, from the beginning. Very good. All right. Well, Let's not do a tax question for another year because I hate taxes. Sounds good. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Yeah, keep it sound. Keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. 
Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.